Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Guys, this week, we're not going to be sitting here talking about, you know, which sixth-string receiver do you prefer? And we're not going to be sitting here saying... You know, which, which linebacker is, is going to serve them better on special team? We're going to be here for the next 75 minutes or so to talk about a regular season game that the Tennessee Titans will be playing on Sunday, September the 12th at noon against Kyler Murray, J.J. Watt, and the Arizona Cardinals. It, it, it's thrilling, is it not? Feels good. We've waited. Uh, we've waited a long time for this, even though it's always the same amount of time in the off season. But it feels like every time it gets a little longer. But we finally made it, and I'm pumped for football season. Yeah, I mean, preseason's great. Like I, I know we all enjoy it equally and love it, but you know, it's a nice change of pace to have actual games that matter. So it, I, I'm excited. I'm nervous, but excited. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this offense, this Titans offense work, because we've heard so much about it, and we've seen bits and pieces throughout practice, not in the preseason games, but in, in training camp and in practices. But but now we're finally going to get to see it all come together. You know, it's not going to be Logan Woodside out there throwing to Chester Rogers and Marcus Johnson. It's going to be Ryan Tannehill. Derek Henry, Julio Jones, who, who, as I was commenting to Will before uh, we started recording, I, I've never watched Julio Jones play before. I, I've watched him practice a handful of times now, but I've, I've never seen him play, so I, I'm fired up for that. Um, and A.J. Brown. So it, it's just, there's a lot of excitement surrounding this team, I think. And I don't know that, like when I was in Tampa for those practices, I was talking to one of my Uber drivers, and he was like, you know, this city is fired up for the Bucks in a way that they haven't ever been. I don't know that I could say that. Like, I don't, like, you know, go to a pizza shop and everybody's wearing Titans jerseys or anything. But from sort of the Titans community, not so much the Nashville community, but within this Titans community, there is an unprecedented level of excitement, and I think it's warranted. Yeah, I think so, too. There's definitely one of the more talented Titans teams that we've seen in quite a long time. 
Uh, and I remember we did a couple of podcasts in the summer and I told you guys, like, I think the Titans like might actually be able to make the Super Bowl. And, you know, me, I'm usually pretty negative. Um, <laughs> I'm usually not too optimistic, especially about the Titans. But I just see a really cohesive unit that's very talented. They have a great quarterback. They have a great running back. They got Julio Jones to pair with A.J. Brown. A lot of new additions on defense, plus a defense, at least in the preseason, looked like they're actually communicating and they're on the same page, which we've talked about ad nauseum. That was the biggest issue last season. If the defense would have just been okay, then the Titans could have made a run at the Super Bowl because the offense was was humming the entire the entire season. So I'm definitely excited going into the season. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I don't think it's too crazy to consider the Titans a legitimate contender uh, to win the AFC and reach the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think for the first time, Titans fans have something to be excited about that matters. Like it, for a long time, Titans fans have been excited about the defense. I mean, obviously not the last two or three years, but I mean, for the better part of the, their time here in Tennessee, all the focus has been on, you know, what a great defense we have, what great linebackers, you know, great corners, like all that kind of stuff. It's very rarely been about the offense. And when it is, it's just about one guy. It would be about Chris Johnson or I guess Eddie George and Steve McNair in those days, they had a, a crew that really worked together. But I, I mean, this is the first time where you can be excited about the veterans on offense or the young guys on offense or the veterans on defense or the young guys on defense. Like there's just so much talent across the board that, I mean, you, you can pick a position and find somebody to be excited about. And I made the comment on Twitter earlier today because Jim Wyatt tweeted out pictures of two billboards that the Titans have put around town to sort of get people excited for the season. And I'm like, a few years ago, they wouldn't have had enough people to fill up a billboard, like enough good people. Because on these two billboards, there's... Uh, Jayon Brown, Julio Jones, Derek Henry, Taylor Lewan, Kevin Byard, and if I can find the other one real quick, the other billboard has Bud Dupree, Jeffrey Simmons, Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, and Brett Kern. <laughs> they wouldn't have had that many. They wouldn't have been able to fill up two, much less one billboard, you know, five years ago, or even maybe two years ago. No, it's honestly crazy how far this roster has come uh, under J John Robinson. I mean, 2015 sounds like a long time ago, but six years is, is not not that long ago. And that team was just deplete of any talent. They had yeah. they had nothing. They had absolutely nothing. They had Zach, Med Zach Medenberger uh, starting a quarterback, and it was just awful, man. Like, there were no players that you can you could get excited about. Like, we were trying to get ourselves hyped up about – Justin Hunter, Doriel Green Beckham, Bishop Sankey. Those guys were <laughs> terrible. They were yeah. just awful players. And now finally this team has blue chip players that are renowned across the NFL, like A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. And then on the defensive side, they also have Jeffrey Simmons, who's finally coming into his own and looks like an elite defensive lineman. They finally got Bud Dupree, uh, a, a blue chip edge rusher, and then they have Kevin Byard, one of the best safeties in the entire league. So it's just awesome to see, and I'm looking forward to to watching it all come together because if it does, like I said before, they really could make 
a deep run up in the playoffs. We're going to get into, in this episode, you know, at all the angles of this game that the Titans have coming up. We're going to look at the Cardinals, talk about their strengths and weaknesses, of course. We're going to talk about things the Titans need to do to win. We're going to look at some some storylines leading into the season. Uh, first, before any of that, though, I, I want to talk about a big difference that the Titans seem to want to make on defense and why I think, and, and I would imagine why all of us think, that that could be the key in getting this defense turned around for the Titans. Before that, though, Matthias, I believe you have some words from our friends at Manscaped. I do. Our good friends at Manscaped are always on our side, so we have to be on their side also. And they have a bunch of great products that uh, we all use. Uh, I think over 2 million people worldwide actually uh, use Manscaped and they entrust Manscaped with their products. So definitely, uh, definitely want to go check them out. Uh, they, they recently came out with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0, uh, which is easily their, their best, uh, their best version. Obviously the newest version is always the best one. Uh, this jet fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce accidents Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, the lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM mo- motor, a new multifunction on off switch, and can engage a travel lock, which is very important if you're taking this on the go, if you're going on vacation, uh, short term, long term, you never know. Uh, and it's also waterproof, so you really don't have to worry about it wherever you're using it. Personally, I would suggest going with the performance package 4.0, it includes the weed whacker. Uh, which is also waterproof, and that one uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. I mean, if that doesn't get you excited to use one of these, then I don't really know what will. That nose and ear hair trimmer provides also proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent, of course, nicks, snags, and tugs uh, in whatever areas you need. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com, for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 in all caps. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 in all caps at manscaped.com. So it looks like based on what just about everybody involved with this Titans defense is saying is that they want to be more aggressive uh, this year. And look, Mike Vrabel is someone who always talks about play fast and aggressive, play fast and aggressive. But far too often, you look out there and they're running the weenie defense where they're playing off coverage and they're rushing three and dropping eight in a coverage. And it, 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 it's not fitting. There's a dissonance there between what is being said and what is being done. And now it seems like there is an emphasis on changing that. To give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. So Terry McCormick, TitanInsider.com, asked, Amani Hooker, what's one of the fo- what are the focal points for you guys in improving a third down defense? Hooker said, to be aggressive and challenge guys, we want to make sure that if it's third and short, we're not playing off, that we're up there trusting our abilities and challenging guys. And then I asked Kevin Byard on Monday, I'm like, you know, everyone's talking about the aggressiveness. Was that something you felt like was lacking last year? 
And he said, yes, we, we, we definitely felt like it was lacking. He said they felt like they were second-guessing themselves a lot. And this is what I love. He said, we understand that this game is not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But, but now, this year, we want it to be where if we make mistakes, we're going to make them full speed. And then he also said you know, the, their fundamentals are so good because of Vrabel's coaching that if they make a mistake, their effort and finish is going to cover it up. And I don't think this is lip service because, like I said, it's percolating throughout the roster. Rashawn Evans said that the Titans have been focused on making more splash plays, getting the ball out, you know, plays that, that, that get people excited and that make a difference. He said we want to get teams in third and long more often. I, and, and I don't think this is lip service. I think this is an, an actual philosophical change, part of it coming from, from improved personnel. But also, and I asked Evans about this, because they're more comfortable in Bowen's defense, and it is now Bowen's defense and not the Bowen Vrabel hodgepodge, because they're more comfortable, because the communication is improved, they can start taking more risks and start being able to play aggressively. I mean, it's great to hear. But that's what I would like to hear. Uh, and I wish they would have made that change, you know, halfway through last season when it seemed like everything was just not working. Uh, but I understand, you know, it's hard to make changes w- within a given season. Uh, and like you said, I-, I think this will have something to do with the personnel. Uh, it-, it would have been I-, I don't think it would have been the right move to bring back a lot of the same pieces from last year and, and just expect uh, different results. And-, and we've talked about also. Uh, throughout this offseason, uh, the, the Shane Bowen getting a lot more responsibility and having a lot more leeway in how he coaches and how he's going to call games, uh, we think that's going to affect the team positively. And, I mean, in the preseason, at least, I know it really doesn't matter too much because you can't, you don't want to gauge too much from preseason games because a lot of backups are in uh, for, for both teams. But, I mean, they were, at the very least, playing very fast. They were playing aggressive. All the defensive players were really flying around the ball, uh, and it did seem like they had a different philosophy, at least than what we saw last season, because last season we just saw we saw nothing. We, we didn't see any energy coming from any position group. Um, every, no one seemed to know where they needed to be, and it was just, it was just a mess. So I like hearing these, these quotes from, from players uh, and it seems like a lot of the players are definitely in a better position, at least mentally, uh, on the defensive side of the ball going into this season. Uh, and I hope it works out because it really can't get worse than last year. But uh, I, I need to see it uh, on the field before I'm truly, truly sold on it. Yeah, the the old Mike Tyson quote is, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So I, I like the aggression talk. It's better than saying we're going to do a little of this and a little of that and the common like Mike Vrabelisms that we get. However, I, I'm afraid the one time they blitz on third and long and they give up a long completion, does Mike Vrabel start to second guess and say, no, we should go rush three and drop eight like we have the two years I've been a defensive coordinator and been historically terrible at it? Or is he going to let Shane Bowen kind of feel out the process? Because I mean, giving up control is not something that Vrabel does well. Like, I mean, he's still hands-on in practice, working with linebackers, putting hands on them. Like, 
that's that's not a guy who deals well with delegation. So it's it's concerning to me because like I said I don't I don't trust that they have an identity that they want to believe in. I mean, he even started stepping on Dean Pease's toes in the middle of playoff games. And I mean, if you're if you're going to do that to Dean Pease, a guy who coached you and who's been one of the most respected coaches in the NFL for a long time, like what are you going to do to your buddy Shane Bowen? So do I like the message now? Absolutely. And it's the way it should be, and that's what they should do. Do I trust them to do it? No. I, I trust them to do it in bursts and be inconsistent and reevaluate at the end of the year and make a decision on that. But I, I just don't trust those two coaches. Another thing that I think is important to discuss when it comes to the Titans being good this year is this does not because I've caught myself thinking like Matias you mentioned Super Bowl aspirations at the beginning and I've caught myself several times over the last month and I'm like man am I overestimating these guys am I reading too much you know into being good on paper but this does not strike me as a team that is going to come out flat and, and, you know, start four and five and then f- finish the year nine and eight. I, I think the the character of this team, the culture that Mike Vrabel has built, doesn't allow for that. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, th- this team, this is not, you know, the offseason champions team. Th- this is a team, well, they won 11 games last year for one, for goodness sakes, but they've, they have also got a culture that allows them to not be the disappointing, not all their squad. No, they, they've been together for too long for them to just come out and, and be awful uh, this season. Um, and, and I mean, they, they, they've dealt with adversity in the past. I, I think it was 2019. They started like two and four. Uh, before Ryan Tannehill came in, and they, they rally, they make the playoffs. Uh, and then last year, they got off to a hot start, but they still dealt with some adversity. They had some bumps in the road, uh, but they stuck together. They made the playoffs anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I just don't see this team being anything worse than than average. And, and average into the, today's NFL gets you to the playoffs, um, especially with 17 games now. So. No, I don't, I don't see them coming out and just having a, a bad season. I really don't. It's, they have too many They have too many stars. I mean, offense reigns supreme in today's NFL. And even if the defense is as bad as last year, this team still has Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. And those four players will get you at least eight, nine wins in any given season, no matter how bad your defense is because we've already seen it. I mean, we saw it last year uh, and and there's no reason to believe that they can't do the same this year. Plus the defense was historically bad last year and it's, it's just kind of impossible for them to be as bad this year. Yeah. And something else to remember just in terms of like the mentality of this team, there's only two guys on the roster that have had losing seasons while they've been Tennessee Titans. And that's Taylor Lewan and Brett Kern. So the rest of these guys only know the Titans as a team where they've gone and had winning seasons. So I, I think their level of, you know, 
quote unquote acceptable failure. Like the the worst thing, the worst team that they feel like they could be is just a winning team because they don't know any different. So I, I don't know. Like I I think that this is a team that's not going to buy into the hype because first of all, that's not really who Derrick Henry is. Like Derrick Henry is not a guy who's going to you know do anything like drive a, a Brinks truck or whatever to the. He's not going to be Jalen Ramsey. He's not a guy who's going to point and say, look at me, look at me. Julio's never been that guy. AJ's kind of that guy, but now his... It's it's know, in like a uh, an endearing way. Yeah, like it's in a way where like he says things, but he also is very accountable. Like it's he's never like when the ball doesn't come, it's on him. Like when Mario got benched, it was him. that He was the one crying at the locker saying that he should have done more to help him. Like, I mean... That that's the kind of guy he is. So for as braggadocious and as confident or whatever that he has to be when he's on the field and when he talks sometimes, it's it's not from a place of like delusional grand delusions of grandeur or anything like yeah. that. It's like he knows how good he is and he's not afraid to talk about it, but he's not a backup talking like he's a future Hall of Famer. Like he I mean, he is a real star. So I, I mean that that's the kind of players that this you know team kind of has on it as its quote unquote stars. And then on the defensive side, you know, they they still have people talking about how bad the Titans' cornerback depth is, and the people talking about them couldn't name three of the Titans' corners anyway. <laughs> so, like, you get all these people saying dumb stuff and talking about how historically bad they are. Everybody on the defensive side, I mean, is either in a contract year or they're trying to prove that they were the right signing or they're trying to prove that they deserve the status, like the Kevin Byards and the Monty hookers and the Jeffrey Simmons is Se- like, seven th- new starters for this team. The it, personnel wise, it's just not the same defense you got. Yeah. It's all three corners, Jack rabbit, Christian Fulton and uh, Elijah Molden mm-hmm. tier tarts, a starter. Now that's four, but Dupree makes five. The Nico Watry makes six and a Monty hooker makes seven. Yep, and, and I mean, they almost had eight, but they brought Jayon Brack back in pre. I mean, or in a yes. off season, but that, I mean, they let him to like that. Unlike the others, probably would have been a decline. In yeah, in yeah, but but I mean, what I'm saying is like all these guys like they don't come in with reputations where it's like you can have a bad year. It's like no, like Byer did that last year, and like and and he he heard about it and fans were not happy and all that stuff. So there's nobody who can coast on a reputation or anything like that. And so, and I mean, then you have hungry guys on the other side of the ball, like Lawan, who's coming back, who said he's enjoying playing football or at least training camp for the first time in his life, because he's just excited to see, you know, the people around him and excited to get back out there and realize what he had. Like, I mean, it's not a mentality of a team who's coasting. So I think that's, the big reason why they're not going to get any sort of big head about who they are. And they're going to listen to the coaches and kind of do what they're supposed to do. Let's contextualize this because we keep talking about, well, the Titans are good. Titans are Super Bowl contender. Let's contextualize this and, and talk about some of the teams at the top of the NFL and how we think the Titans compare to them. Who's better than the Titans in the NFL? I, I, Will and I were talking about this. We agreed Green Bay, right? Aaron Rodgers, you're always going to take. 
Tampa Bay, reigning Super Bowl champions, probably going to be even better than they were last year. Uh, and then I think you take Kansas City, of course, because it's Patrick Mahomes. It's that super high-flying octane attack on offense. And then beyond that, and I'm not going to declare the Titans are the fourth best team in the NFL, but I think everything beyond that is a conversation and a debate and not, oh, the, this team is definitely better than the Titans. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I actually just saw a tweet from Pro Football Talk. Uh, it's their power rankings, and the Titans come in at 13, uh, which is interesting. Nate, who, uh, who are the stupid teams that were you listed ahead? Just, not all okay. of them, but just who, where were the dumb ones? Well, the ones I consider dumb are the Saints. The, and yeah, the you got to have a quarterback to be better than the Titans. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how the Patriots, who were not very good last year and are also starting Mac Jones, are better than the Titans. Three spots ahead of the Titans. You said actually. New England? New England, yeah. Like, I think that's crazy. Uh, I mean, I can see the argument. I don't agree with it, obviously, just because it is Belichick. And I know they were bad last year, but it's a revamp. You know, it's Bill Belichick. It's revamped roster. Fresh blood at quarterback. Yeah. I can at least see an argument there. Yeah, and, and then some of these, I don't know. Like, the jury's too out on some of these other teams. Like, the Chargers, I have no idea what they're going to be with Justin Herbert coming off a historic court, uh, rookie season, and then they have a new coach who's defensive-minded coming in, uh, and then the Rams getting Stafford, who we all we all like Stafford, but we really don't know uh, how he's going to respond, if he still got it. Uh, and then there are teams like the Browns, who I think are really talented, but I'm taking Tannehill over Baker Mayfield any day of the week. So I feel like that kind of equalizes things, you know. So I think there are a lot of debates with some of these teams, but like the Saints and the Patriots, I just I don't see it at all. Yep. And the Seahawks, I, I don't know. The I, Seahawks I have been frauds ever since they lost yeah. the Super Bowl in New England. Back then they were outstanding. And, and as long as they had prime Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, they were great. But since that core has gone, they haven't done anything. They're always like a first or second round playoff exit. They haven't played in the championship game since then, if I remember correctly. They are vastly overrated by the media. Yeah, and the other one, this is a team that I think is getting overhyped. I, I know John Harba's great, but the Ravens, mm. they have them at seven. They have, first of all, they have no receivers. They have zero receivers. They just lost J.K. JK Dobbins for the year. He was primed for a really big season. And the defense is like, is old and isn't as talented as people think. I, I think there's, they still have the reputation of being an elite defense because they were so, and they have been really for, for a while. But I'm looking across the depth chart, like I see a lot of old guys, and I see a couple of young guys that just haven't performed uh, how they should be. So I don't, I, I don't know. I don't really see it with them. Yeah, yeah I mean, w Will, real quick before you chime in, I want to give you the teams that I, I can vibe with saying they're better than the Titans. Obviously, those three that I mentioned. But as we we look at the rest of these teams and have this conversation, I could see good quality arguments that I might shake my head and say, yeah, that's that's right. For Los Angeles, super talented defense, more pieces on offense, better quarterback, great coach, and the Cleveland Browns. Really well coached, 
weapons all over the place. They win at the line of scrimmage. And Baker Mayfield is a serviceable quarterback. Beyond that, though, I'm I'm taking the Titans, even over Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I think there's three teams better, and we talked about them. That's Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and Green Bay. And everybody else is, you can have a conversation about it, or yeah. clearly worse. Like, I, those are the only teams that I have to say, like, yeah, they're better than the Titans. I mean, you know, I, I can go through and paint a picture of, you know, why the Bills might be better or why the Browns or the Rams or even the Chargers. Like, you can paint pictures for all these teams in their optimal scenarios. My argument is I don't think there's been any team more consistent than the Titans over the last two years. Like, you know what you're going to get in A.J. Brown. You know what you're going to get in Tannehill. You know what you're going to get in Derrick Henry. You know what the offensive line is going to do for the most part. You know, the defense was as bad as it was going to be last year, and they still managed to put up 11 wins. You know, you add Julio Jones to this team. So, you know, we've already seen the argument over and over is, yeah, but their defense is bad. Okay, well, then their floor is 11 wins. You know, and and obviously, like, like I said before, like you can paint pictures on how everything could go terrible or how everything could go great, but just in the terms of consistency, they won nine games in 19, 11 in 2020. And I don't see a position group that they're worse anywhere. I mean, I, I, I just, I can't, I mean, I could maybe make the argument that the 2019 group of corners was better than the 2021 group of corners, but that's just because we knew what we were getting in those guys. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not even ready to say that. So, I, I don't know. Like the are, the reason they're down so low is because people won't click on uh, a power rankings because the Titans are high. People will click because it's like, wow, this guy put the Chargers at number four. Like that's why those things get clicks. It is because you can put big names at the top. But in terms of talent on the roster, consistency, you know, all, all the things that you should measure a team by, I I, I have a hard argument finding anybody who is clearly better than the Titans other than those three. And even then you could take Kansas city out of that argument and say that they're in the debatable argument since they lost everybody on their offensive line. Yeah, I, I mean, about that much better I, coach, I, yeah. much better, coach. much better I, coach, much better quarterback. Yeah. And then just worse everywhere else, but which I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, they have beaten the Chiefs in the last two but, years. But yeah, I mean, the argument here is not who can't the Titans beat. Titans can beat any of these teams. Titans, Titans could beat any of these teams like a drum, you know, any given Correct. Sunday. And, yeah. and, and, you know, once you enter a certain caliber and you're not, you know, looking at this list of NFL teams, when you're not the Giants or the Jets or the Washington football team, like, you can beat anybody. Uh, you know, that's not the conversation here. The conversation here is sort of who's better and whose odds are better to, to win a Super Bowl. Hmm. Yeah. I think I might be a little lower on the Titans than you guys, even though I just said a couple minutes ago they might make the Super Bowl. I, I would probably wow. put them I would probably put them sixth, maybe seventh. Probably sixth. I think the Bills are better than them, to be honest. I just don't think the Bills are as as explosive. What? 
Really? Well, on offense? Look, and I'll, I'll say this. Maybe it's are, fast. Are you sure? I don't think they're as fast as the Titans. Well, they're Are you sure stuff. that uh, Al- Josh Allen is going to have another career year? Like, uh, there's not going to be il- any leveling off because he's gotten better every single year. Like, and that's what everybody. Yeah, but you could say on. that about Tannehill. That it, that's exactly what I was going to no, say. Like, no, no, no. We no. don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you can say that about Tannehill, but if Tannehill performed like he did last year, they would be fine. Or the year before, he would be fine. You know, if he, or even like some of the years he did in Miami, he'd be fine. But it's like if uh, Josh Allen performs like anything other than what he performed like last year, then you're in trouble. Like, because they have Stephon Diggs and then. That's kind of it for their offense. Like, I mean, they they make a lot of plays because he ran he ran around a lot last year and was aggressive. I, I don't know. Like, I just i I buy into him as a team, but I think they are more of a sum of their parts than the individual pieces, and that concerns me because you can lose that magic real quick. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I, I think the other team that that we haven't mentioned. I think the Niners are like, if they're fully healthy, I'm, I think I they're don't. on par with the Titans. I don't. I mean, their defense would be better. Yeah. I, I think sure. we forget about them because they bottomed out last year. But the reason they bottomed out last year is they didn't have a quarterback. And now they have two. They still don't have a quarterback. <laughs> they have two. Well, injuries everywhere. They, that like. All they all they do is that they're like juggling between both of them. It's like I, they I went, don't know. Like, they nearly won the Super Bowl two years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's basically the it's a probably a better team. They lost Buckner, but I they mean they got in worse on the offensive line, right? Like they lost Joe Staley. He retired. He was their left tackle. He was like all pro, Pro Bowler every I, year. I, they, Richard Sherman's gone. He was playing they have at a Trent really Williams, high level. Joe Staley. Can, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, the, I think everybody is really high on them because they think Nick Bosa is going to come back after an ACL injury and he's just going to pop up and be an explosive edge rusher, which, but, fine, but like, whatever. But you, again, like, you could say that about t- you think Bud Dupree is going to come back from an ACL injury and finally give the Titans someone who gets sacks. Yeah, but if he doesn't, they're not going to fall. I mean, they're not going to be like the league's worst defense. Like they've changed enough. I mean, last year the 49ers were putrid except for uh Fred Werner. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't get all the hype because people act like Trey Lance is going to be some missing piece. I, and part of that is because Herbert was so good last year. He made everybody delusional about what rookie quarterbacks can do. Rookie quarterbacks cannot take you to the Super Bowl. Herbert played at a historical level and he didn't even get the Chargers to the playoffs. So I I don't know. Like we we can we can have this debate after the season when the 49ers win seven games, but I, I just don't buy it. You're crazy, to, bro. Yeah. <laughs> to uh to close out this conversation, I just saw where uh, Corey Curtis from News Channel Two said uh I don't know if this was on his Titans radio coaches show or his channel two coaches show. But apparently Vrabel got asked about power rankings, and he said, "He look, I look forward to seeing the Titans between 12 and 15. So <laughs> he was right based on these PFT power rankings. He really, Mike Vrabel is very on social media, whether he, oh, yeah, he shows absolutely. it or not. 
He uh, is on there. I mean, he, he made that comment a few weeks ago about like reading reporters. Or, you know, he's like, yeah. I've been reading your tweets lately. By the way, I just had a double take because the Texans just signed Danny Amendola, and I read it as the Titans, and I'm like, wait, why? <laughs> but it was the Texans, and that makes perfect sense because he's bad and so are they. It's time to talk about the Titans' first opponent of the 2021 season, the Arizona Cardinals, who I take it Will Lomas is going to say they suck. They're awful. No redeeming qualities about them. But but me and Matias can tell you why this game is going to be a challenge for the Titans. You want me to start, or you want me to? <laughs> I was just to, to sit. I was hoping Will would have a comeback to that. Well, I mean, like I, I I don't like I like I mean I think DeAndre Hopkins is great. I've always been a Chandler Jones fan. Like, well, I, I, like I think not, the I, two people with a potential Hall of Fame trajectory, yeah, they're pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah, Justin Pugh's a stud. <laughs> their, their left guard who's playing out of position is great. You guys remember him in New York? Yeah, he's just that same guy, but better. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I'm not going to prop up bad players, but I'll tell you the good players are good. Okay, well, let's talk about the front seven on defense, because as I studied this team, that's what stands out to me the most. And, and as we were discussing before the show, it's not so much that they're good because I think there's a lot of question marks. It's the investment that they've made there. We know what Chandler Jones is, or at least what he's been. Now, he had a severe injury in 2020, very early in the season, only played five games, one sack in those five games. So he's coming off of surgery. J.J. Watt is an unknown. I mean, he, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but we don't know what he's going to be able to do. They put a first-round pick in 2020 on Isaiah Simmons, the versatile, speedy, athletic linebacker who had a very disappointing rookie season. And then in 2021, they put a first-round draft pick on Zayvon Collins, another inside linebacker. And so you look at this front seven, those four guys in particular, and you see a lot of investment and you see a lot of upside. But it's a really big question mark as to whether it's all going to come together. Yeah, I, it's a lot of big names, but I, I don't really know how they're going to perform. I mean, J.J. Watt is, he, he's J.J. Watt, but not really. I mean, he wasn't that great last season. Uh, it really didn't have too much of an impact. Sure, he's probably going to dominate the Titans just because it's week one and, you know, this is like going to be his coming out party and then he's probably not going to do much the rest of the season, but... I don't know. I mean, like you said, Chandler Jones is coming off a, a pretty severe injury. He's up there in age. I think he's like 32 or maybe 31 or something like that. Uh, we don't know how he's going to respond. Isaiah Simmons really didn't have a very good rookie season. He looked pretty good in preseason from what I saw. But he's really just one of those athletic, super athletic guys who doesn't really have a feel for the position yet. Kind of like with Jalen Smith has been with the Cowboys. He just, he, he, Jalen Smith, I think has gotten benched. Uh, actually is not even the starter anymore. And, and I feel like Isaiah Simmons is kind of, uh, that type of player at this moment in time, Zayvon Collins, he, he's okay. I, I don't know what he's going to be at the next level. I thought he was an okay prospect. Uh, nothing too exciting, but they did spend a first round pick on him, uh, mid middle of the first round. So they clearly think very highly of him. Uh, but then I look at the other guys in the front seven, like Marcus Golden is just a guy who kind of cleans up sacks every now and then. 
Uh, they're starting Richard Lawrence. Never heard of him. And a guy named Lee Kai Fotu. I don't know. Maybe those guys are good. I really don't know. Yeah, but I, I, feel I had like, to look up those guys earlier to figure out who, yeah. in, who in the world they were. Yeah. And then, I mean, they have a couple. Their depth isn't bad. Like, Devon Kennard is fine. Zach Allen is fine. Uh, Jordan Hicks is a pretty decent inside linebacker. Although, I think they uh, they might have been shopping him the last thing uh uh, the last thing I saw about him, but well, and know. and if you're in a nickel set where you've got a four man front and two linebackers, your linebackers are going to be Collins and Simmons. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's an area that that the Titans can attack for sure, just because Simmons, like we said, didn't have a great rookie season. Saving Collins, it's kind of been unknown. I think there's a game where you could use a lot of play action, especially because we haven't even talked about their secondary, but it's not very good. Um, but if you could put those two young linebackers into some some tough decisions, I think you could probably have a lot of success on offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one the one concern I would have with them is when you when you have a lot of guys that miss preseason time. We saw this at the beginning of last year. The biggest thing that suffers is tackling. Like communication is important, but tackling more than anything is a problem and that's sort of a big deal when you have to play against Derrick Henry so you know we'll talk about their defensive backs later but you know that's a big problem that they're gonna if the Titans want to run it I I don't think J.J. Watt's gonna be an every down player for them I think he's gonna rotate in and out Uh, you know is Chandler Jones gonna play full-time I don't know maybe like if they do if they you know, if he does play full time, they can run at him. He's not some freak, you know, set the edge kind of guy. Well, I, I mean, like y'all said, they're undersized at linebacker. Like that's that seems like option A for the Titans. I feel like <laughs> over the years, like I don't know when when Will is talking, I just get so excited and want to jump in, whether I agree with him or not. But I I definitely want to <laughs> jump in here. Because I don't think it's a huge deal that Watt and Jones may not play every snap. Because all you need is one, and they've wrecked the game, right? I mean, all you well, need is that one say, that one time where you put Watt in a wide nine against Ty Sambrilo, and he freaking destroys Ryan Tannehill, which, oh, by the way, happened in 2020. Or, you know, you put him inside... It only takes one or two plays for those guys to wreck the game. And if they're in on third downs, like if that's all they play, that's still a terror for an offense. Eh, I mean, I guess. <laughs> like I don't I like I think bad. <laughs> like I I don't know. Like I like yeah, sure. Like if somebody gets seriously injured and then they have guys who haven't prepared for JJ Watt all week and they go out there, yeah, they'll probably struggle for a play. You're not like, worried like, about the best sack producers since like 2010 against Ty Sambrilo? No, because if you go from 2019, they're like not top <laughs> Fair point. So, Fair point. Yeah. So, I mean, ju- just like I'm not terrified of AJ Green putting up, you know, 200 yards on the Titans. Like, yeah. you know, Old guys are cool, like if you're playing in video games, but in real life, you know, it's it's harder to do as you get older and older and older. And that's no disrespect to JJ Watt or Chandler Jones, but it's just like 
I don't expect them to be in peak regular season form after not playing in the preseason. And like, like I said, sure. Like that, like if the Titans have to put in a backup offensive tackle because somebody gets hurt, then I'm, I'm sure they will be pinning their ears back and they'll be excited. But you know, like if it's not third and 12 with a backup offensive tackle out there, I think, I think they might give up pressures or whatever, but I don't think it's a death sentence for whichever offensive lineman's out there. I don't, I don't think it necessarily is. I'm just saying that, you know, be careful writing those guys off because they can wreck a game. I, I do want to talk more about old Adriel Jeremiah Green. You brought his name up and the uh, Arizona Cardinals offense. But one more thing about the defense, and that is you look at the investment in the front seven that we talked about and, a lot of big names, a lot of question marks, but still a lot of talent potentially. You take a step back to the secondary, and it's just really not there. Buda Baker's a good football player, but like I couldn't even name you most of their corners. Uh, well, in the sense that like I know who they are now, but when I was studying the team this morning, I'm looking at uh, the players. I'm like, who is this? And who is that? And where did they go? You know. It's a very underwhelming group in the secondary, and I think that's part of the reason that this is going to be a it's going to be a big Derrick Henry game because I think you want to neutralize that pass rush and and every time you give him the football, it's one less you know opportunity for Jones or Watt to, to wreck the game. But also, I, I think you want to go heavy play action too and get these corners running around and playing run and chase with Jones and Brown. Yeah, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones could could eat in this game. I mean, yeah, Buda Baker's a great player, but he has two interceptions in, through four seasons in his career. He's just not really, you know, a game changer. He's more a run support kind of player. Uh, and then their best cornerback is Byron Murphy, who is strictly used as a nickel cornerback, as a slot cornerback. And the Titans don't really have a, you know, to specified slot receiver. Yes. I knew that he name was, was familiar. To be. He was supposed to be an outside cornerback, but it hasn't really panned out. He's been good as a nickel cornerback, but the Titans could just put, you know, who Chester Rogers in the slot. They put Byron Murphy on Chester Rogers, and then A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are going to eat Robert Alford and Marco Wilson and Luke Barco. They're going to eat them alive. I mean, I, I was looking. Robert Alford hasn't played since 2018, and he's like— about to line up against A.J. Brown, who's had two consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, and his former teammate, Julio Jones, who's one of the best receivers still in the league and one of the best receivers of all time. Then you're throwing a rookie, Marco Wilson. I don't even know what round he got drafted in. He's going to play a lot because Malcolm Butler had to retire. Like this kid, Tannehill could throw for 350 yards in this game easily if we, if we want him to or if we need him to. And... I don't know. I like. I see the Titans putting up at least twenty-seven to thirty points in this one. Yeah, and you know, it, one way to really reduce pressure from a defensive front if they're giving you pressure is to either run at them or throw quick passes. And you're going to have both of those options if you're the Titans, because like like y'all said, I mean, they just they they are in a bad. They're in the same position that the Titans were in last year, almost where they were already facing a change at defensive back when they let uh, Peterson go and the Titans let Logan Ryan, obviously different caliber of player, but somebody you knew what you were getting out of. And then, oh, by the way, a week before the season, you're not going to have another starting corner that you thought you had. Like 
they did they have not had plenty of time to prep it like it, it's going to be a sketchy situation there so yeah like you can bring the house trying to stop Derrick Henry but you know you're gonna have to tackle like I said and that that always suffers and you're gonna have to tackle Julio and AJ and I just like that seems like a very tall task I want to flip sides of the ball and talk about the Cardinals offense against the Titans defense you know, obviously what stands out there is Kyler Murray, perhaps the fastest quarterback in the NFL. And you can say what you want about Kyler. Look, he wasn't great in year two. And I was reading a column that a, a Cardinals beat guy wrote today talking about it's time for the excuses to end and it's time for them to actually put up or shut up. But what you can't deny about Kyler Murray is that his speed is a problem. I don't care if he's freaking noodle arm Teddy Bridgewater when he throws the ball. If he's fast like that, it's a problem. And as Vrabel very wisely said last week in talking about him, he says you get you know, them in the third and 17, and then all of a sudden you push too far upfield on the edge, and he's running up the middle for a first down. That's the problem of facing Kyler Murray. But I will say this. I think the Titans are better equipped than they've ever been to handle Kyler Murray. And and let's not act like this isn't a team who has handled mobile quarterbacks well in the past because in each of their three previous outings against Lamar Jackson, they have bested him. Each of the three, the playoff game that they won in Baltimore, the game in the regular season in 2020 that they won in Baltimore where A.J. Brown had that screen at the end where he broke all the tackles, and then the wild card game where there was a dud from the Titans as a whole, but they still didn't get destroyed by Lamar Jackson. So this is a team that, from a schematic standpoint, has done well against mobile quarterbacks. Uh, They struggled against Mahomes a lot in the playoffs, but they've actually got more speed, more explosiveness to where I think if you make a mistake and get in a run-and-chase situation, it's not going to be a disaster. Because Bud Dupree, man, that guy can get on a horse. Harold Landry obviously has some speed to his game. I think Danico Autry is far more explosive than anyone they've had in that you know, three technique slash fake, you know, interior defensive lineman playing edge kind of spot. You know, Evans and Brown have some speed, and the secondary is obviously a lot faster. So I I don't foresee the Titans having a ton of trouble with Kyler Murray in terms of a, a disastrous game with his legs. I'd be more concerned about DeAndre Hopkins and whatever is left of A.J. Green and Christian Kirk against the secondary. What do you guys think? Yeah, you're not wrong. The Titans have definitely done a good job with running quarterbacks in the past, save for that one play against Patrick Mahomes from Rashawn Evans in uh, what was the most important game. But like you said, they did a really good job on Lamar Jackson, and I feel like the players and, and, and the coaching staff kind of understand what they have to do uh, in situations like this. Um, so I'm not expecting Kyler to, to run wild. I do think we can't really underestimate um, the, the talent that they do have uh, on offense. I mean, their offensive line isn't good, but they have they could go four wide with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, AJ Green and rookie Rondell Moore, who's who's really little, but he's really quick and he can give you fits, uh, especially if they give him the ball out in space. I mean, they were really using him uh, in the preseason. They were getting him involved. Yeah, any which way. They're certainly not lacking for options in the passing game. 
No, they're not. And then they have Chase Edmonds out of the backfield, who's a really good pass catcher uh, as well. So they can attack you in a lot of different ways. Honestly, their biggest issue has been their coach. Like Cliff Kingsbury has been really, really annoying uh, to watch because he was brought in with this idea that he was going to be an air raid type of coach. And they're throwing like five to 10 yard routes, out routes, in routes. They're barely throwing the ball down the field when they have Kyler Murray, who has one of the best arms in the league. And they just play so conservative, conservatively. Uh, and it's drawn the ire of a, of a lot of people. And I, I'm interested to see how they're going to, how they're going to come out this season because Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. And if he doesn't open up uh, that offensive playbook, like, he might get fired within this season. Uh, And I I don't know. I don't know if you guys watched the preseason game. I I can't remember who they played against. It might have been the Cowboys. Uh, But Kyler Murray looked awful, just absolutely awful in that game. Yeah, I was on the way to the Tampa game when that was going on and was seeing tweets about it. I never actually watched it. It was it was crazy. It was crazy bad. Like Kyler looked really awful. The offense was just so bland and I understand it's preseason, but it was the exact same thing we had seen the previous season. So I don't know, like, I, I don't know what to expect. I do think they're talented, but it's not an offense that you can't control. Yeah. Like, you know, the problem I have in you'll kind of touch on this too, is he, you know, he's dynamic and they, but they throw a bunch of those short passes and stuff. They kind of have to because, like, you kind of glossed over, like, they have a terrible offensive line. I mean, four of the guys probably wouldn't start anywhere else, and the last one, you know, Rodney Hudson's their center, and he did start somewhere else last year, and the Raiders cut him. Or maybe they were going to cut him and ended up trading him for something. I I forget. But, you know, that's a problem. Like, we've we've seen in Tennessee how much one good offensive lineman can – you know, make or break an offensive line. So if you've got a guy and you're trying to get more explosive plays, but he panics every time there's pressure and he runs around because he knows he can get away with it, but he averages like one and a half turnovers a game like that, that's why your offense doesn't work. You know, it's because you're turning the ball over and you can't make explosive plays because your quarterback isn't going to throw the ball. And when he throws the ball, he's fine. But I mean, uh, his, Average yards per attempt is 6.8. I mean, like, that's that's fine. Like, it's not anything impressive. It's not terrible. But, you know, like, he makes plays when he runs the ball. And when you're watching Red Zone, those are the those are the clips that pop up, is him running the ball. And when you're playing fantasy, those are the plays you remember because you see, oh, he had a 30-yard run, and now they're in the red zone. Awesome. Like, that. that's why he has the reputation of being such a good quarterback. When in reality, like, he's fine. But, you know, the big problem he presents is not his ability to distribute or anything like that. It's just what happens when you're rushing him and you break con- and he breaks contain, like Vrabel said. So, yeah, like, I mean, he's not he's not a hard problem to solve. Like the the there's a reason why the Cardinals haven't had a winning season since he's been there. But it is something you do have to pay attention to. What do you think are the biggest differences? And, and I'm going to try to ask some players this. Between uh, Murray and Jackson, hmm. 
because they're similar in some question. ways, but I think they're stylistically very different. Yeah, I feel like Lamar has more designed runs. Like I feel like their yeah. offense, well, their offense obviously is more run heavy, um, and therefore Lamar Jackson is sent on more designed plays. Kyler is more just like scramble since n- no one is open or I have no time in the pocket. I'm just going to exit stage right, stage left, and just go on my way, pick up eight to ten yards or whatever it is. Um, but in terms of throwing, like I don't know. I mean. They're not too dissimilar, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's that Lamar sometimes can get in a rhythm and he can kind of hit, like he can say, okay, I'm going to deliver it to the tight end over and over and over. I don't think Kyler Murray's ever had like that kind of consistency on like a drive-to-drive basis, but... I mean, I, I guess I would also say I get I get the sense that Lamar is less panicky and that Kyler Murray panics more and kind of does that thing that Russell Wilson did for a long time where you can tell when he bends his knee and crouches that it's like, okay, he's going to start running now and he's probably going to end up tucking it and running. He may throw it, but even if he does, it, his biggest threat is with his legs right now. Like, there's times where Lamar rolls out and he still feels like he can hit any pass on the field. Even though, you know, as long as it's not to a wide receiver. Yeah, I also feel like Kyler makes more mistakes. Um, Lamar might be a little less accurate, I would say. But Kyler just, he has some pretty boneheaded decisions from from time to time. Uh, Lamar doesn't necessarily do that as often. He has some of those, but not as often. I'm going to be honest. To your point. Go ahead, Will. Well, I was going to I was going to say uh, to your point, Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson has 18 career interceptions in three seasons and Kyler Murray has 12 in each of the last two seasons. So, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, he's he's 24 to 18 interceptions between the two. And, you know, that I mean, that's a pretty big discrepancy. And it's it's something that Lamar doesn't get enough credit for, probably, is that even when he makes mistakes, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. That's not the case with Murray. Also, like, I'm just not terribly familiar with Kyler Murray. I feel like I haven't, me personally, I haven't had a lot of chances to watch him. Like, I've seen Jackson a ton because he's in the AFC, and they're always in prime time because they're a good team and they win a lot. And they've played the Titans three times in the last year, so I've obviously had to study them from that perspective. Whereas Kyler Murray is, for me, kind of gotten lost in the weeds. I feel like I'm still kind of learning who he is, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't watched a whole ton of him. I will say he is exciting to watch. Like when he's scrambling and doing all this cool athletic stuff, it looks cool. Yeah, it I'm looks excited. exciting. So yeah, it, I, it does. What? No, I was gonna say you're you're right. Like it's like watching Josh Allen, except without like the size. Yes. Like you're just like his I little, his little legs are just like moving around. He looks like Pablo Sanchez out there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I don't know if this is going to be a good play or a bad play, but it's certainly different than most other plays I've seen today. Like yeah. that's that's the kind of thought process I have every time I watch him. Before we do stop the nonsense, yeah. or you have something, Matthias? No, no, I was just going to say like he, he's he's a very unique player. Like there are not a lot of players quarterbacks at least like him in the NFL. Before we do stop the nonsense, one key, guys, to the Titans winning the game. What's it going to take? 
probably just stop DeAndre Hopkins. I think that'll that'll probably get it done. Well, uh, I mean, just don't don't outthink yourselves. I mean, just do what you do on offense, and you should be fine. I'm going to say my key is 20 Derrick Henry carries. I want to see a lot of running the ball this week and then deep shots downfield off a of play action. And I know that's already what the Titans offense is predicated on, but I just think you want to slow down those pass rushers, and you don't want Ryan Tannehill in a situation where he's throwing 35, 40 times. So that's my key. We move now to the end of our episode with Stop the Nonsense. Uh I started last week with the lengthy Bishop Sycamore story. Would someone like to take that honor this week? I'm still searching for mine, so uh, we'll get. Uh, we'll oh, I thought. Ahead. Are you are you not going to do the quarterback list? Because I'll do the. Quarterback I am. List. I am. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, we could do it together if you want. It is awful. <laughs> yeah, we Good certainly can. Get it started. Uh, okay, so. Quarterback Cowboy, uh, or sorry, com- Quarterback Cowboy, Computer Cowboy uh, on Twitter had this. Uh, it's he posted 538's quarterback rankings going into the season, and everybody always has fun with these rankings because they're always terrible. But this is sort of an exceptionally bad case. Um, I, I, I'll I'll go ahead and let Matthias get into his specifics because I don't want to kind of ride his train too much. But I'll jump in after he gets his. And initial takes in. Yeah, so I guess this is just like a computer simulation. I I think it even says um, that this is like based on they ran 50,000 simulations of the season. And and it essentially ranks quarterbacks by ELO, which is one of those fake measurements that we always talk about that we love. (laughs) Um, Oh, yes, because I measure my quarterbacks by touchdowns. Completion percentage and ELO. Yeah. That's yeah. those are the big three. <laughs> yeah, e- ELO points. Yeah, there's a quarterback adjusted model. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I'm not totally sure of of how they get to this, but it's just bad, man. Like, they have Ben Roethlisberger at, at five at five at five overall. I can't. And then Kyler is at six. Thankfully, they have Tannehill at eight, which is which is awesome. Um. And it kind of makes sense because Tannehill has been kind of a darling of a lot of uh, football nerds because he's very efficient uh, and a lot of them like him. But it's just it's just insane. We, we Fitzpatrick is at 12. He's ahead of Russell Wilson. And then my favorite one, my favorite one is Stafford is at 17 with 162 ELO points. And then Jared Goff is 18th with 161 ELO points. So technically, the Rams traded for the same quarterback, which is pretty hilarious, if you ask me. Yeah, like <laughs> Mahomes is three behind Josh Allen, which irks me a bunch because I don't I don't know what metric gives that to you. Like it, you read it and you think, okay, maybe they're putting the older guys on top because Roethlisberger's five, but then Kyler Murray is six for some reason, like we said. Kirk Cousins is 10, which anytime Kirk Cousins is on your top 10 list of quarterbacks, your metric is wrong. Like, it's such a weird lit. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they explain whatever fake metric they use to do it, but it's like Andy Dalton and uh, Daniel Jones get the benefit of the doubt over like all the rookie quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and uh, Mac Jones. But those three are on top of 
the 31st quarterback, which is Sam Darnold, and the 32nd, which is Carson Wentz. So at least it is like they definitely started from the bottom up because they were like, okay, who are the two worst quarterbacks in the league? Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold. Got it. Then we can move on. But it's like, I, I don't like, do you get penalized for interceptions? No, because Jameis Winston is 21, so that feels impossible. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's like they just put quarterbacks on shuffle, and they're like, we're going to pick the first three and the bottom two, and everybody else is just going to go where they go. And, I mean, th- this happened earlier today. It's already got 137 quote tweets and 38 retweets, and everybody's talking about it. But it's just I, – I wish we would stop ranking quarterbacks by different metrics because all that happens is people take the metric that has their quarterback the highest, and they say, look, this is the, you know this is the definitive ranking, and then next year it all resets. It's very aggravating. Yeah, my I, my I've been reading. My thing with this is, I get it's a computer metric, and it's not just some guy sitting back saying, you know, I think this guy's better than that guy. But like, if this is the output that your metric is giving you, it's a bad metric. Like, why are we saying that Kyler Murray is better than Tom Brady? Like I don't, I don't I don't know what metric gives you that or what metric tells you that Josh Allen is better than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I don't know either. I've been doing a little bit of research throughout these last couple of minutes, trying to decipher what it is, and apparently it, it just kind of judges based on head-to-head results. I guess like what? common opponents. Common opponents and stuff like that, and then it's it's like war. It's kind of like war, you know, in baseball. Except war uh, makes sense. Well, apparently to, to these people, these make sense, <laughs> and I don't get it, man. Like, ah, I don't want to. I don't want to go fully against analytics in general. But well, we've I'm so done close that plenty of saying, times on the show. Yeah, I'm so, be breaking I'm so close to just to just saying ban the nerds from football because I'm honestly sick of some (laughs) of the stuff that they do. It's really annoying. And the worst part is they always think they're right. They always think they're right. And no one can ever (laughs) tell them any different. Yeah. And that really bothers me. Like I like analytics. I think they're important, but they're a supplement. They shouldn't be the be all end all. Um, And the interesting part is is that the person that, that shared this and kind of shed light uh, on this is like the biggest analytics person in football, yeah. Ben Baldwin, uh, and he's kind of clowning 538 for these rankings, which which really makes you think how bad these rankings must be. And uh, just uh, the problem isn't with analytics. The problem is with trying to give everybody a Madden ranking, like a rating. That that's what it is. It's we all we all want this one number. To say, okay, this is a good quarterback. He's a 99. This guy's a 97. Like, we want everything so simplified, and that's just not how the real world works. You can't consolidate players into one number and say, this guy's a better quarterback because uh, it, it just it depends so much on the scheme and the surrounding talent and all that that you have to have some context and nuance, and that's just all lost. Yeah, hold on. It, I just found out it is based on a 10-game rolling average. The last sure. 10 games. Rolling was, average of what? I, I don't know. That's why Trevor Lawrence is at 28 and Carson Wentz is at 32. Because I think that's what, that's why average Russell versus Wilson, Virginia Tech. <laughs> that's why Russell Wilson is 13th, because he had, had a bad uh, end to the season, I guess. But why is Big Ben fifth? He was awful. 
at the end of last season. Yeah, yeah he really yeah. bad. Like, that's yeah. what I don't know. I mean, the the Cardinals, I think, started out five and two last year and ended up eight and eight. So they went three and six in their last nine games. How good could Kyler Murray have been to get him at six if they were if they won three games? Okay. So that was y'all's combined stop the nonsense. Mine this week, we're going to Indiana this week for mine. Brian Kelly. My stop the nonsense is just that whole situation. The comment itself was stupid. The reaction has been stupid. So let me fill you in on what happened. Notre Dame won, barely, against Florida State on Sunday. Notre Dame a top 10 team, Florida State unranked. Brian Kelly got asked about his team walking off the field by ESPN's sideline reporter. And he made a comment where he was quoting uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach John McKay from the 1970s, who back then was asked a question, what do you think of your team's execution? And he responded, I'm in favor of it. Really funny, right? But Brian Kelly was not asked about his team's execution. He just tried to like throw that in there. I don't remember what the question was, but it was like, you know, what do you think of your team's effort tonight? And he says, uh, I'm in favor of execution. Maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. <laughs> the delivery is just so bad. Like John McKay did it flawlessly. What did you think of your team? What do you think of your team's execution? I'm in favor of it. And then, and then Brian Kelly says, "I'm in favor of execution. Maybe our entire team needs to be executed." Mm. Just bad. Like the comment itself stunk. But then, I, huh? I lost it when he said that. It was amazing. <laughs> I loved it because I knew the quote. But go ahead. But, this but, is where it gets me. But then the reaction. Like, it was a stupid thing to say. It, like, it just wasn't funny. It was, like, bad timing. He didn't deliver it very well. But then we got all these people out there that are offended by this. Like, I saw one tweet. It was like, we are in a pandemic. How can you be joking about death? I'm like, okay. Like, we need to calm down about being offended by this. It, It was a dumb thing to say, not in the sense that, like, Man, you don't go there. It was dumb because, like, it wasn't funny and it was weird. I, I know what he was trying to do. He didn't do it very well. But, like, why are we getting hurt about this? And, like, man, that, you know, that was 1970 and this is 2021. Like, you you can make jokes. That's allowed. This was not, like, offensive or, like, hit some kind of touchy area. It was just delivered poorly. So my stop the nonsense is... The joke itself, because it wasn't funny, but also like people who think it wasn't funny because it was in some way offensive. Yeah, you snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right, though. Like Mina Kimes had a tweet about this yesterday that I thought was really good, and I retweeted it. It says, uh, this Brian Kelly thing is just peak 2021 stuff. A bunch of people mad about the possibility of other people being mad with very few people actually quote unquote mad. Yeah. Everything is a culture war. It's also boring. And I was like, yeah, like, and that has 27 or 2.7 thousand retweets like that. Cause yeah. that's exactly what you're saying. It's like the comment was stupid. And if nobody had at 
acted like that, we'd all be like, ah, what a stupid, like, that guy had been thinking about that the whole game and was just waiting to use it at the end, but he yeah. completely fumbled. And, like, when we say <laughs> but, it was stupid, we're not saying it in the sense it was stupid. Like, if he had made, like, I don't know, a 9-11 joke or something, like, that's not what happened. Yeah. We're saying it's stupid. Yeah. It would have been the same thing if he had made, like, a D's nuts joke. Like, that. it's that degree of stupid. Oh man, it would have been it would have been sort of funny though if they were like, "What do you think your D's performance tonight?" And uh, he was like, "D's nuts," like, and thought, then he just I left. Thought, I thought, <laughs> thought Bofor played pretty well tonight. <laughs> yeah, like that that would have been much funnier. Like <laughs> uh, the the it would, it's almost like when uh, you're you know eating at a restaurant and everybody's had that thing where somebody says, "Enjoy your meal," and you say, "You too." Like, it's like, you know that that's a response that this person has been like, I've got it in the chamber. I'm going to say it when they say whatever they say. And then you just don't listen to what the other person says and you say it. And as it's leaving your mouth, you're like, oh, this is stupid. I'm going to absolutely fumble this and there's no way to recover it. And that's exactly what happened. And you just just, end up word vomiting in those situations. Like, like there was one time it was the day, it was the day, it was the day after Thanksgiving or maybe like a couple days after Thanksgiving and I was like grocery shopping and the person said, you know, have a nice day. And I started to say, you too, have a good Thanksgiving. But then I'm like, oh, Thanksgiving already happened. And so then I tried to change it to, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And it just came out, I hope you had a, how, how to get, and then I walked out. And they were like, this weird kid said, I hope you had a Thanksgiving to me as a response to something not about Thanksgiving. I don't even think Thanksgiving made it out. I was just like, I hope you had, I hope you had, <laughs> Some kid just screamed at me for no reason. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the Titans play on Sunday, September 12th at noon, Nissan Stadium. Will and I will be there. Maybe if, if you see one of us, uh, give us a shout. I will be in the stands uh, before the game taking photos so or videos. Not not like taking photos with people, like taking videos of the, uh, of the pregame action. <laughs> Not like I'll be there, you know, line up everybody. Yeah, line up everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, We'll be back next week to recap a game for the first time and then to preview the Seattle Seahawks, who I already deemed to be frauds in this episode. So until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.